Hello and welcome to the Skewer Podcast. The Skewer is a live monthly news review every first Wednesday of the month at Cafe Mustache in Chicago, satirizing the dumb news of the month that was through hilarious op-ed and debate. This particular edition was recorded on October 2nd, 2019. Do enjoy. much anymore and I forget how to conduct myself in front of audiences and I go a little bit buck wild these days. First, a personal story. 30 days ago, a nurse named Maureen told me via voicemail that I was probably experiencing phantom pain. But the sonogram I had last week confirmed that the pain I've been feeling is in fact my IUD perforating my very corporeal uterus. And it's still perforating right now while I await surgery in November. I'm going to pause to reassure us I am okay. (laughs) I am only telling you this so that I can play the audio, including audience gasps and groans, for Nurse Maureen, who made the terrible mistake of leaving her direct line in that shitty, shitty shit voicemail. She really said that. She really said phantom pain. And I was like, what is that? Is that like you're a ghost and you go to a ghost doctor and she shoves an IUD into your ghost soft postpartum uterus? And then 10 months later, you're like, I'm having some ghost pain. And it's like, yeah, you're a phantom having pain. So like maybe Maureen was just super hyped for Halloween, right? I'm just kidding. She sucks. This month's show is TikTok-tober. Not TikTok, the video platform for dancing children, but TikTok, the hashtag. Both words spelled correctly with their proper C's. I do my best to carefully sculpt my social media feed into a smooth echo chamber, but occasionally someone I follow will post a screenshot from Crying Eagle Twitter, and I'll read a vague and ignorant accusation suffixed with TikTok. It'll be like, phony Muller report revealed hashtag TikTok, posted by username XXMagaMom1488XX, and every other letter is capitalized. When did the TikTok nominon begin? I could not find the origin of this meme after 20 minutes of research on the dark net, but on a human level, the meaning is clear. TikTok is a threat framed in a goofy mother goose way such that to address it directly, you enter the realm of talking bears and a pervasive deep state all-father who watches and punishes. Side note, we are all enlightened here. We know that Freud was a homophobic, racist, sexist dip. But then you hear about QAnon and about how they think about the deep state. And you're like, holy daddy issues, Sigmund. I think you are on to something here. TikTok is a weapon of anxiety. And it's effective because we are all clinically anxious and depressed here. I thought that would get a bigger laugh. Um, 
recognition laughter, at least. Anxiety and depression go hand in hand with being enlightened. We are all on SSRIs. We're forgetting to pick them up at Walgreens. Walgreens is texting every day like, TikTok, Erica, come get your Zoloft. And we're like, I won't forget, I won't forget. And then we still forget. We are on edge every day because we are paying attention. Obviously not to our Walgreens texts, but to the world. And the world is bad. The crying eagles are not paying attention, yet even they can tell something is off. The machinery of culture and its dick-sucking admiration for wealth and celebrity has insulated the billionaire criminal culprits from blame, so they blame immigrants. I think often about Isaac Asimov's insight into American democracy, that there is an anti-intellectualism in our political and cultural life nurtured by the false notion that democracy means that, quote, my ignorance is just as good as your knowledge. He wrote that in January 1980 in Newsweek, before Newsweek became what we know it to be now, it's thin like a comic book. <laughs> Later that November, Reagan was elected for the first time, Ignorance just as good as knowledge. It requires so much courage to think for oneself, to tell someone in a position of power, I don't like what you said to me. To tell a senator, I don't care about the round table you held. You need to get the kids out of concentration camps now. You need to make school lunch debt illegal. You need to fight for a stable climate and not give a fuck what the federal government says. It requires so much courage to maintain an appropriate sense of urgency without being paralyzed by anxiety so rich and whole body sensory that it verges on pornographic fetish, but so much less gratifying. <laughs> September saw the beginning of impeachment proceedings. So fun. <laughs> so fun. Today, I read the headline, House Democrats Threatened to Sub... Pino White House Counsel. Maybe Congress might censure. <laughs> Congress might issue formal rebuke. <laughs> and I know that subpoena has a serious legal reverberation or whatever, but right now it reads to me like a Dungeons and Dragons spell that's super intense in a gaming context but has no power in our world. <laughs> <laughs> like... Voldemort disapparates. Avedicadavra! And I just laughed at him. Sorry, my dude. <laughs> In our world, that's just words. Although it sucks that you tried to kill me just now. <laughs> the impeachment clock might be ticking, but we witnessed nearly three years of nonstop crimes, and my jaded American heart only hears the tick-tock of mass extinction in syncopation with my niece Greta Thunberg snarling, how dare you? <laughs> then again, by next month, maybe the Democrats will have recovered the political courage amulet that was lost sometime in the late 70s. <laughs> or they'll have done a long weekend at leadership camp in Michigan like my cousins used to do. I don't know what goes on at leadership camp. I just know that my cousins came back from it and they could do backflips into the pool. <laughs> and the Democrats will act with appropriate courage and urgency. And maybe next month, the tick-tock of impeachment will climax in the ring of a bell. And the president will ask for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee, old man. You are done. John Dunn, the Elizabethan poet. 
They said that joke was too highbrow. I said, not for my lovers at the skewer. We have got a great show for you tonight. And the beginning of that show was, was me. And then the next amazing beginning of that show is Kevin with a fake news quiz. Come on up, Mr. Kevin. That's so much more applause than this deserves. Um, yeah, basically, this is two truths and a lie, except with headlines, et cetera, et cetera. Most of you have been here before. I'm going to say like 90% of you have been here before. You understand. So I, I will either accept someone from the audience, or you can all play along together. Do you have a vote? I heard, I heard one voice that said, take a person. Do, will you be that sacrifice? Yeah, don't, don't talk no shit. Won't be no shit, son. Mason is taking a very long time to get to my stage. I'm here. I could give you the taller. Well, you know what? <laughs> that probably makes sense. I was letting you get to the stage quicker, but you know, whatever. That, that probably makes more sense. So it's a quiz. It is. Are you the one person that has not been here before to see this? <laughs> God damn it. I haven't been here in like a year and a half. There always Motherfucker, a I've been doing this for like two years. You've been doing a great job. What's your name? Mason. Okay. Yeah. So, say hi to Mason, who, vo- who volunteered himself. Um, do you want help from the crowd or no? No. Good. No. Throw, me, throw me off, I guess. Okay. Yeah. First story. There's only going to be like two sets of stories. I'm going to say three stories at you. Just tell me which one's false, okay? Yeah. Since you haven't heard this before, I guess. First story. Planned Parenthood. Wow, this, this has a lot more feedback. Planned Parenthood. I'm going to go with true. What? <laughs> <laughs> Planned, I'm sorry. <laughs> Planned Parenthood has, has been building a secret abortion mega clinic in Illinois. Which sounds like a theme park, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Story two. IRS admits it audits poor people more because auditing rich people is too expensive. Story three. Rounding out the apparent Monopoly Boomer series that features spins on millennials, socialism, and feminism, uh, Hasbro plans to release a version where you prevent future generations from owning property. <laughs> uh, the, the Monopoly one is uh, fake, but... For how long is that fake? Mm. Like, they're going to do that because oh. it will make money. Yeah. yeah I guess also, that. No, no. You're, you, you are correct. You are correct. You did it. No, no. So, but all those other monopolies about socialism, feminism, well, Miss Monopoly, and, and uh, millennials do exist. I want you to know that. It's kind of funny that I came up here today because this is the one day I, like, scrolled r- left on my iPhone and was like, that icon says news, and I clicked it. God damn it. So, sorry. I feel like I cheated. All right. I'm only going to ask you one more set of questions. All right. All right. All right. So we can, get, we can just get to the rest of the show. <laughs> anyway, 
first headline, fraudsters deepfake CEO's voice on a conference call and shuts down the whole company. Wait, did you say frogster? A fraudster, not a frogster. <laughs> All right. As an, a, a nefarious person. You what know. company? A company. I'll give you a fucking specific company. <laughs> what? Fucking. Fucking. Fucking Dick Tracy, I think. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. All right. Oh. Second story. Man spends around $37,000 to defeat a $120 parking ticket and still loses. Mm. Story three. Company selling scented scissors to children? Can you imagine, like, none of us are rich, but if we were, like, how much money we'd waste on something petty, like getting out of a parking ticket? Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, scented scissors, because I was like, fuck yeah, bro. Um, Whenever you want the show to start, it's fine. Whenever, whenever. Yeah, fraudster, conference call, et cetera. I hate that you actually got both of these right. I feel, I feel in my soul that you don't deserve that, but you did it. I don't know why. My reward is everyone can be a dick to me for the rest of the night. No, 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 no. Your reward is that you get a drink ticket, so I guess you can get another old style. You did it. Hey. You did it. I earned this. Which does mean, yes, there are scented scissors, but they are no longer being sold. Anyway, um, we're going to leave the stage. So what what Eric- sense are we talking about? Like watermelon. Imagine like some grape or like red grape. or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I like that. Anyway, Erica. Despair. Erica, come back to the stage so we can leave. What's up, everybody? Give it up for the fake news quiz. We've got our first op-ed right, ner- right now. It's Maggie Tomasek, who is a writer, comic runner, and rapper. Ooh. You can see her with the Kates October 11th at the Bookseller and with her band She's Crafty, Chicago's all-female Beastie Boys tribute this fall on their Midwest tour. Welcome Maggie Thomas-Sack. I'm going to use the Bob Barker mic. All right, folks, I don't know if you know this, but... Whoa. We are living in a golden age of true crime content. Podcasts, documentaries, scripted series. Oh my gosh, there's so much good stuff. I've jokingly but half seriously said that I want to start a true crime podcast where all I do is discuss true crime podcasts. And I would call it Crime Time. I just got to get that... Sweet Blue Apron sponsorship, and I'm all set. Um, Anyway, we're about to get another iteration of true crime content. That's right. From the makers of CSI comes Murder House Flip. (laughs) I know that my tone of voice indicates that this is a joke, but I assure you, it is real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. As the name would lead you to believe, Murder House Flip... (laughs) is a reality show where people renovate homes where a murder took place. But wait, there's more! (laughs) 
They're going to have forensic experts, renovation designers, and spiritual healers. (laughs) Come together to, quote, transform these murder houses. Well, I'd like to go on the record as saying I'm 100% going to watch this show. Uh, It also got me to thinking, is there too much crime content now? I know, it's wild to even hear that question come out of my mouth. I live for true and not-so-true crime. You can tell I'm even wearing my O.J. Simpson t-shirt this evening. I dress on theme, guys. In fact, when I sat down to write this... uh, I decided, you know, I'm going to throw something on as background noise. So I just, like, went to Hulu and selected an episode of 2020 about a teacher in Pennsylvania who was murdered in 1992. But thanks to modern-day DNA methods, detectives recently wrapped up that cold case. So baseline, that's my background noise. (laughs) And honestly, crime shows have been my background noise for a real long time. Uh, I remember... The very first episode of Law and Order SVU I ever saw. You know, it's a real touch point in my life. Uh, I didn't really watch TV in college because I didn't have cable. Uh, so whenever I was at my parents' house, I binged on whatever I could. You know, that USA Network's always there for you. So in 2003, yes, I remember what year it was. Don't even worry about it. I was visiting my parents, camped on the basement, flipped on the USA Network. And season three SVU classic episode entitled Competence was on. Here's the IMDb description. The SVU receives a complaint from an elderly woman that her daughter, Katie, who has Down syndrome, has been raped and is now pregnant. She's reluctant to provide the identity of the father, and it's apparently questionable whether or not she even knew what she was doing. Was it the bus driver, her employer, her boyfriend, the administrator at the care facility? Even further, is Katie fit to be a mother or raise a child? (laughs) I was riveted. Riveted. Also, according to IMDb, I'm not making this up. According to IMDb, this episode will air at 1 p.m. next Thursday, October 10th on USA. So you can check it out for yourself. I'm like, can I call in sick next week to watch that? Okay. After that, SVU became my go-to, and it stayed that way for about 16 years. No big deal. Well, obviously, I knew the show was popular enough to continue being renewed. We're now on season 21, still watching it. Praise be to Dick Wolf. Uh, And, like, Mariska Hargitay, a.k.a. Olivia Benson, multiple Emmy and Golden Globe noms, no big deal. I somehow still thought I was the only person who was, like, really into Law & Order SVU. (laughs) Surely, I was the only weirdo who watched the show unironically... Uh, Surely I was the only person whose idea of living it up in a hotel room was snuggling up to forensic files on HLN. Mm. Surely I was the only adult human who spent Friday nights cooking a nice dinner and watching Dateline and genuinely enjoying myself. But obviously we know I am not alone. And the internet and social media, which admittedly contribute to many of our society's failings, have made me truly realize how not alone I am. How not alone am I? Well, for starters, I'm actually part 
of a private true crime Facebook group of mostly women, and we call ourselves Lady Dicks. That's right. We share bizarre crime story links, start threads about the latest podcast series, and get together in person to solve crimes with our to hunt a killer boxes. Which is kind of like murder mystery dinner theater for the 21st century. That shit is fun! But why? Why do I like this crime content? Is it healthy for me to like it? Do I even care if it's not? One reason I actually love true crime podcasts in particular, like In the Dark, Root of Evil, and Dr. Death, is because it's just good reporting and great storytelling. And please, please, stop recommending my favorite murder to me. (laughs) I've tried. I don't like it. So just stop. But give me an earnest public radio journalist digging into a kid disappearing while riding his bike and uncovering some small-town police corruption along the way, and I am all in! Then, you know, there's the part of true crime content that examines people and human behavior. Why are we the way we are? What makes some people deviate from that so severely? Some of these stories are so outrageous and unbelievable, it makes me feel better about whatever problems I have. Like, I might think I'm going crazy, but these people legit did go crazy, so maybe it's not so bad. And in a weird way, these shows feel like home to me. I know, it's weird. They're comforting, like a, like a worn-in hoodie or a mug of hot cocoa, you know? For example, this is a true story from my life, uh, after a six-hour, emotionally exhausting, and world-shattering conversation with my now ex-boyfriend, in which he broke up with me after several years, we finally decided to go to bed. And in between sobs, I put on an episode of Forensic Files to help me fall asleep. (laughs) And dear reader, it did. It did help me fall asleep. But like, have you ever watched Forensic Files? Who's watched Forensic Files? Anybody? Yeah, all right. We've got a few people here. Uh, Okay, if you haven't, uh, it's on Netflix, like all 4,000 seasons of it. Uh, But the narrator, Peter Thomas, R.I.P., has the best voice, and it soothes me, you know? It's like telling me bedtime stories that are creepy. Even when he's saying things like, but Lisa Johansson didn't come home that night. Was she in an accident? Or was it something more sinister? (laughs) It was something more sinister. (laughs) It's always something more sinister, Peter Thomas. Also, my other favorite thing about Forensic Files is at the end of every episode, like one of the cops or, uh, you know, attorneys at the end will be like, you know, we never would have solved this case if it wasn't for forensics. Wow, you don't say. The show's called Forensic Files. Who saw that coming? (laughs) Maybe that's what I actually love about shows like Forensic Files and Law & Order SVU. There's a template. Every episode follows a basic arc that's, that's somehow reassuring and in its simplicity and predictability. And while there's a lot of crime content that doesn't have clean conclusions, so many cold cases and unsolved mysteries and 
predators never brought to justice, but it still gives me hope. I don't know if that's the right word, but like at least someone's shining a light on these issues that maybe we're learning something or that I'm somehow protecting myself from being a potential victim by learning how the daughter with the dog kicked the shit out of Dirty John to save her own life. What a badass. Oh my God. Clap it up for her. Also, can we get a, can we get something about that teenage lifeguard who saved the day? God damn it. I love that one. That was good. I know some may see my crime consumption habit as grim and grisly, and I certainly wonder to myself if these shows are too exploitative or do more harm than good. But then again, I like what I like, you know? Some people like Dancing with the Stars and The Bachelor. I like documentaries about serial killers. Uh, except for that boring-ass Netflix docuseries about Ted Bundy. Uh, don't even get me started on Ted Bundy. I don't have a lot of time. I got to wrap this up, but I got some hot takes. He's way overrated as a serial killer. Fight me. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I like what I like. And I like crime content. So I'm going to keep on consuming it and talking about it and telling other people about it. So if you like com- <laughs> if you like crime content, join me on Crime Time. Coming soon to Spotify, Stitcher, Stitcher Premium, wherever you get your, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Brought to you by Blue Apron. Thank you. <laughs> Maggie Domasek What is up Murder House Flip Alex Burkowski Is our next op-ed writer He's a writer Performer and general Ne'er do well Around the Chicago area You can see him Performing improv As Frankenstein's dads Tweeting from At Rude Hunch And writing about All the nasty Little crevices Of the Windy City Experience At Chicago Genius Herald When he's not Sitting quietly At his day job Thinking about The old Sega Boot up noise Instead of doing His work Welcome up Alex Borkowski Hello uh, I have a really fond memory of forensic files because when I was laid up in the ICU uh, over Valentine's Day weekend in 2015, I would watch the forensic files, fall asleep during an episode, and wake up during a different episode. Uh, and they're all the same. They all, it's crazy how interchangeable they are. Um, so folks, tonight I'm here to talk to you uh, with a very special mission, and that's uh, to talk to you about one of my favorite creep shows in the New York Times, which is the one and only Catholic ogre, Ross Douthat. Uh, ooh, yeah. Uh, he's written for New York Times since 2009, covering in his own words, politics, religion, moral values, and higher education. Now... If you're not familiar with Ross, that's to be expected. He lacks the self-satisfied block-headedness of Barry Weiss, the unsubtle thuggery of Brett Stevens, and certainly has the online profile of neither, but I'd argue it's his relatively low profile among offline normies that makes him especially dangerous. So, he's an American conservative born in hippy-dippy San Francisco before quickly trading in that Haight-Ashbury cred for the shadow of Yale University, growing up in New Haven, Connecticut. Educated at private school and then at Harvard University, he contributed to the, he contributed to the Crimson uh, and formed lifelong bonds with his fellow freaks by presumably tongue-kissing the skull of Benjamin Franklin or whatever Ivy League students do in their free time. Uh, after that, Ross was a National Review intern, which awarded him certain luxuries like the time arch-conservative ghoul and uh, review founder William F. Buckley Jr., uh, coerced him and a fellow intern into skinny dipping with him on his sailboat, which had, and I'm not making this up, a boat boy for the summer. 
Uh, as an aside, some of Bill Buckley's greatest hits include going to the mat for racial segregation well into the Johnson administration, declaring HIV-AIDS to be the special curse of the homosexual. So this is someone who Ross likes a lot and considers a mentor. Uh, now, in a September 7th column entitled The Age of American Despair, Ross decided to use that Harvard-educated brain he keeps housed in his massive-ass noggin uh, <laughs> to diagnose what's really wrong with America. This week, CNN devoted seven hours of programming to climate change, Ross's column begins, bringing the leading Democratic candidates on stage to grill them on the issue. I have no complaints about the decision, but... He says, and it's a big but. I wish some network would set aside a similar amount of time for a more immediate crisis, one that is killing tens of thousands of Americans right now. The crisis? So-called deaths of despair, a blanket term for deaths by suicide, drug and alcohol abuse that Ross wants you to believe he cares very deeply about. Uh, Now, at this point, you may be asking yourself what business a private school and Ivy League-educated New York Times columnist has diagnosing the moral rot at the heart of American society, presumably having benefited from everything that's causing it since before he was born. (laughs) That's a really great question. He doesn't, but that's not going to stop him from cashing James Bennett's checks. Uh, From the year 2000 to 2017, Ross tells us, deaths of despair more than doubled from 22.7 per 100,000 individuals to 45.8 per the same. This summer's National Climate Assessment estimated that rising temperatures could cause between 4,000 and 10,000 additional heat-related deaths annually by the end of the 21st century, Ross writes. But had deaths of despair remained at 2,000-era levels, approximately 70,000 fewer Americans would have died this year alone. Yes, friends, Ross has unleashed his masterstroke, the observation that we can't actually have two problems at the same time. <laughs> and this, this isn't surprising, given that Ross has loudly announced himself to be part of something called climate lukewarmism, a collection of dullards who view it as inconvenient to admit climate change is happening until a catastrophe is nipping at our heels. As far back as uh, June 2000, uh, 2017, in a smarmily titled piece called Neither Hot Nor Cold on Climate Change. And... Even ignoring the white nationalism free space that is valuing American lives over those in the global south most likely to be affected by climate catastrophe, this is a psychotic point to raise, right? He's doing the thing your aunt from Great Falls, Virginia does where she like shares a meme of a minion on it with the caption like, well, you're all up in arms about the flooding in the Bahamas. Let's not forget North Dakota had flooding as well. How many likes can we get for them? And... This is a New York Times columnist who's openly admitted to being a climate science denier, uh, being allowed to pull the just asking questions card about something that's not connected in any way, shape, or form to the news peg of the democratic climate debate. This is someone who's two decades of media experience doing this, and he should really know better. And what's almost worse is that Ross doesn't actually care or give a shit about the people whose lives are affected by deaths of despair, and we can see this in how much he, like, labors over hitting his word count in the back half of this piece. (laughs) Essentially, he breaks down the epidemic into a three-pronged issue consisting of economic pains, drug policy failures, and a vague spiritual component that he can't even bother to admit just means we all need to become idiot-freak Catholic mystics like me and the rest of my weird brood of perverts. And first he tries to explain this through a series of what I can only call like political fan fiction, where he parcels off each of these problems and what he thinks Pete Buttigieg, Bernie Sanders, and real-life Sailor Moon analog Marianne Williamson would say about each one of them. Uh, and this obviously doesn't work because Ross produces dog shit prose so eventually when he gets bored of putting words in Marianne Williamson's mouth he just outright cuts to the chase Uh, it's a real case of writing one handed and Ross should really know better for engaging in it because onanism is a sin Um, 
And it's Ross's attempt at teasing out the spiritual component that's probably the most important because the supposition he makes about why young people might be more despairing or when things go, for lack of a better term, really buck wild. Uh, an increase in depression and suicide generally, he writes, and among young people especially, has more mysterious causes. Social media, secularization, and might only yield to a psychological and spiritual response. It's unreal to me that this is allowed to go to print. If I, if I had come into my freshman persuasive writing class and produced work where I half-heartedly suppose that we're all depressed because of too much phones and not enough Jesus without even attempting to like introduce anecdotal evidence to that effect, they would have laughed in my face and told me to get out. I, I really hate to break it to Ross, but young people aren't increasingly despondent and depressed because fewer of us than ever are at risk of being a tertiary character in the sequel Spotlight or because we spend too much time posting. Like... <laughs> Where the fuck has Ross been? Iceland and Switzerland have both held funerals for glaciers that have disappeared as a result of human-driven climate change in the last two months. There's been an average of 1.16 mass shootings a day every day for the entire year, and that still leaves us enough daylight to have another 107 before the time 2020 hits. And like most of us believe that our quality of life will be way worse by 2050 than our parents or grandparents ever was. And, oh, I don't know, this is a final peg. People keep dying from insulin rationing because they can't afford to buy enough of it, uh, which is something that Ross has very little sympathy for in another Just Acting Questions style column uh, entitled, Is Obamacare Actually a Lifesaver? Yeah, I'll let that one sink in for a second. Now, credit where credit is due, Ross does acknowledge that our president, Bernie Sanders, rest up, King, we need you, uh, probably isn't going to make us a papist vassal state again or free us from the mind hell of 24-7 posting, so any candidate would probably be only able to speak on the policy forward fixes to this despair epidemic. Uh, But that's not exactly a high bar. And plus, he immediately torpedoes this observation by insisting that it's important to pay attention to our Marianne Williamsons and our Jordan Petersons, who... By the way, he needs to finish rehab ASAP because I don't know how to feel about Disney movies anymore without him openly weeping over Tangled's cultural Marxist undertones. (laughs) And it's those types of thinkers, he insists, who are going to create the meanings we use to combat the sociological phenomenon of impermanent despair, as he describes it. And I've got both of my hands free, but I would be making like a masturbation reference as I was able to. So... Obviously, the main takeaway I want you to get from this is that I think Ross Douthat is an irredeemable orc who deserves to be led into the desert in the back of a horse, Mad Max, beyond Thunderdome style, and given back to the land. But it's also to highlight that this is a rhetorical mode he uses all the time. And it's unutterably shameful that the New York Times, which begs and screams and threatens to hurt themselves when you even think about canceling your subscription, (laughs) continues to allow these worm-brained freaks carte blanche to pretend their politics don't have actual implications behind them. Like, this is not Ross Douthat's first rodeo in writing about deaths of despair, but like in... But in June 28th's grim trends and good times, he really has to ask, why are people so down? The economy is doing so well. (laughs) Ah, word. Thanks, Ross. Guess I'll just starve to death when I get fired from my job and admit that in spite of everything, at least the economy is booming, you absolute nerd. (laughs) And that really tells you everything you need to know about Ross's investment in anyone outside his little bubble and why you should feel fine disregarding basically anything that he has to say. Uh, I'll leave you with this. In a response to, the American, to an American conservative article trying to induce a moral panic over, what else, teenage masturbation, uh, the nation correspondent and OG leftist hell poster Jeet here remarked, counterpoint, masturbation gives people pleasure and hurts no one, so it's good, to which Ross, in all his wisdom, replied with the following, imagine still believing that in 2019. <laughs>
<laughs> uh, these are the people part of your subscription pays the salary for, and I invite you to use that information how you will moving forward. Thanks, everyone. That's it for me. Yes. Um, when Alex pitched this piece to me, I said, this is so good because I'm going to learn how to finally pronounce that guy's last name. I personally pronounce it doubt that, and I imagine, I fantasize about relentlessly teasing him like, I doubt that, Ross. <laughs> After everything he says. Our next op-ed writer is Jesse Cadle, a Pittsburgh-bred storyteller who is an associate creative director for advertising by day and a group fitness instructor by night. She thinks storytelling is the perfect way to share vulnerabilities with a group. You can catch her regularly performing Fridays at 8 on the cast of Dreamboat, IO's all-queer improv team. Welcome up, Jesse. Hello, friends. What a treat to come after Borco. Borco, your brain is incredible. Um... Hi, I'm Jesse, and I'm here to talk healthcare. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Just kind of the always on news. <laughs> well, this month, something fun Amazon announced that it's piloting a healthcare program called Amazon Cares. Irony names aside, <clears throat> it's a telemedicine service, so users can chat or video call or set up an in person visit seven days a week with a mobile care nurse. It's currently just for Amazon employees. It's in its testing phase, but that's Amazon, so we think it could be coming to Prime soon. <laughs> and it's not that different compared to what other telemarketing, uh, telemedicine companies are doing, except that it's Amazon. And while I'm not pro-Amazon as a company, you know, I don't think any of us are, um, I am pro this because sell my information, hand over my personal information to the government and help everyone have more affordable access to health care, you know? <clears throat> I'm speaking to you today from a very uh, special perspective, an inhabitant of my own body. <laughs> I, don't know, uh, I don't know a lot of you, but you are going to get to know a lot about me. <clears throat> At 28, I suffer from a myriad of not that bad, but chronic illnesses. You know, the standards. Allergies, asthma, pelvic floor spasms, IBS, heartburn, eczema, anxiety, and tendinitis in both my knees. <laughs> okay. Individually, each of these ailments is actually manageable. Together, it's like death by a thousand cuts. So let me just, since you don't know me that well, kind of a typical day, I wake up and I foam roll my legs for ten minutes. Hot, thank you for that whoop for foam rolling. <laughs> Moisturize my entire body in special eczema prevention lotion. <laughs> Hot. I pack the same breakfast and lunch every single day of the week. Cool. <laughs> At night, I do a set of 60 incline squats on a special board um, that helps keep my kneecaps in alignment. <laughs> I take three pills and a nasal spray, so kind of just round it out. Um, and this is not an insane amount. It just requires kind of constant vigilance, um, and this is kind of when things are good. I've always had a body that is prone to illness and ailments, 
I truly believe that there are some bodies where you have like a great immune system and you don't really have to go to the doctor. I love you. Who are you? How? <laughs> and then there are bodies that are prone to breakdowns, like a car. That's just like a shitty investment. Um, for some reason, so many things just like happen to it. And it's not anybody's fault. Just like a weird flux of genetics and anatomy. A friend and I have called it Oregon Trail Bodies. <laughs> These are bodies that would not survive the Oregon Trail. <laughs> All it would take is kind of like one round of anything going through camp, and that's the end. <laughs> so for, I'm sure there's... Oregon Trail folks in this room, and I salute you for all your fighting that nobody sees. And I don't say this lightly. In the grand scheme, I'm incredibly lucky and well-off in the chronic illness department. I don't have anything that makes it impossible to walk or go to work or function day-to-day, but that doesn't make it what's happening any less real or hard. Basically, what happens to me or what happens to my body is that I get everything to like the extreme. And what should go away over a normal course of antibiotics takes a lot of troubleshooting for this hot bud. <laughs> and that means for the past decade, I have developed a new chronic health condition every two years. <laughs> That's like a weird turn of the moon trick or a curse from a healthcare witch. <laughs> I wanted to just give you guys some highlights about that. Uh, four years ago, I developed pelvic floor spasms. In case you're not familiar, um, it is a spasming of the muscles running from your anus to your pee hole. So that kind of, just that, yeah, oh shit, thank you. <laughs> Um, it's like they're cramps, but they're outside your body, and they manifest for everyone differently. A lot of times, it results in incontinence in older folks, um, which means you basically just pee yourself all the time. For me, okay, for me, they manifested as like this deep sense of discomfort and like I was a little bit turned on all the time. <laughs> because your muscles are spasming, so I think my body was like, good? <laughs> It's really uncomfortable to be just like a little aroused all the time. Like, you know, on the red line, body's against you. I'm just a little bit aroused. <laughs> like at, at work, I'm in a business meeting and I'm just like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable and bizarre. Um, and they couldn't figure out what it was. Eventually, I was sent to a pelvic floor physical therapist. <clears throat> Yeah, it was, it was nice, and it was something special. And she told me, quote, your vaginal strength and coordination is just not where we'd like it to be. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> Would love to know my target. I saw her every week, and <laughs> that was a wild time because, you know, part of it's just doing stretches, and part of it is like, you know, manual manipulation, which is fun. And then I was prescribed, <laughs> this was incredible, a vibrator. <laughs> I was prescribed a vibrator that I would use inside of myself like a foam roller for your vagina. <laughs> 
you're just kneading the... And the, the cause of this spasming is that I hold my tension in my vagina. Why the... Like, why couldn't I just hold it in my shoulders or, like, my butt? Like, a, just anyone. I'll never know. Okay, so... That was fun. That was fun. But that's mostly past. I got that under control. I just have to do that when it flares up. (laughs) Two years ago, I developed tendinitis in both of my kneecaps. Um, And tendinitis is caused by overuse. And I teach group fitness. So it was actually when I was starting to be like, yeah, buddy, we we can actually do whatever we want, but we cannot. (laughs) We cannot. For most people, tendinitis goes away. After like two or three months and just like a little bit of rest, for me, it was so painful to move or sit or lay down. They made me move as little as possible for a month. Yes, no, thank you. It was bad. So no exercising, which is like, for anyone with anxiety, it's like, oh, no, no. And then walking had to be kept to an absolute minimum when we live in Chicago. So I was like, just like I would hobble onto a bus. I had to ask for seats. And I look totally fine. Okay. Um, And that rest helped. But it's been two years, and I'm still in pain every day, and they can't really figure out why. And it seems to be caused by, like, sitting or standing or kind of moving. So (laughs) we haven't really ruled anything out. But it is most certainly true that my knees can tell when the weather is about to change. This morning I woke up and I was like, is it storming? (laughs) Which is like a cool arthritic superpower. (laughs) So when something new happens to me, I need to get it checked out. (laughs) Because it could just be like a fluke. Like the one time I got an ingrown eyelash and that just had to be removed with a laser. (laughs) Typical standard stuff. Not a problem. It goes away. (laughs) Or it could be kind of like the new thing that I have to deal with. For example, this this summer I had a new problem flare up. I'm not going to get into it because I do. I I mean, I've been intimate with all of you in this way. Um, But it was, (laughs) I saw a specialist three times. And the third time she said, and I quote, I need to brainstorm and I'll get back to you. I think she's in league with your phantom pain nurse. (laughs) I was like, you brainstorm. (laughs) Get back to me. And when I saw a different specialist for the fourth time this week, she prescribed a medicine for it. And I said, how long will I be taking this? And she said, quote, maybe forever. (laughs) Okay. That was insane. And I don't say all of this because I I want you to pity me. I am, like, a strong person, and I am very capable, and and I'm lucky. That's the most important thing. Uh, Because I have access to good health care. And I could see four specialists to figure out that I just have a dry skin. Um, I can see a massage therapist every two weeks for the past two years to try to keep my kneecaps in place. I'm able to see a pelvic floor therapist, and that is, like, a... Super specialty, as you can imagine. <laughs> Who goes into that? Um, and I am able to see just like a regular therapist so that I don't have to dwell on all of the things in my body. 
And having access to that kind of health care is a privilege, but it shouldn't be. Thank you so much. Give it up for Jesse Cadle, everybody. Oh, my God. Um, so a year ago, this time, I was pregnant, and I was looking up information about the pelvic floor, because one thing that really tears up your pelvic floor is having a baby. And in order, in what they do in Europe... Um, they have developed a little, a little gentle dildo that can respond to your vagina's muscles, and you play video games with your vagina. Hell yeah! <laughs> you have like a little hands-free Game Boy, <laughs> and you play Pac-Man, but they don't ship to the U.S. And so then I was trying to figure out how do I frame this to my husband's aunt-in-law in a way that just minimizes it, but it didn't, you know, um, cesarean section, so it, it didn't, didn't end up going that way. Sarah McHenry is our fourth op-ed writer of the evening. She is a writer, cartoonist, and Kent lady. She makes a zine called Hard to Love, which you can subscribe to through Patreon. Welcome up, Sarah McHenry. There's been some scary shit in the news lately about vaping deaths. <laughs> Before I go any further, I want to clarify that this is a character monologue in the voice of my new comedy persona. <laughs> Her name is Sarah McHenry, and she looks and sounds exactly like me, but she likes to get high. <laughs> If you're a potential employer having trouble understanding this distinction, I guess sorry about your elementary understanding of comedy theory, uh, but please trust me. In the past few months, hundreds of people have gotten sick and 13 have died of lung illnesses linked to vaping. Now, I don't want to minimize that. It definitely sucks. You can quote me on that. It sucks to die of a lung disease. Here's what we know. Of the people who've gotten sick from e-cigarettes, almost all of them have been vaping THC, a.k.a. cannabis, with the majority of patients also vaping nicotine. 16% of them claim that they vaped only nicotine, but this is self-reporting, which is part of what makes diagnosing this outbreak so difficult. We're relying on voluntary reporting of crimes. <laughs> According to the latest data, only one of these people bought their vape from a legal dispensary in Washington. The rest have been illegal bootleg weed cartridges, which any idiot can make and sell. We still aren't sure what ingredient in vape cartridges is getting people sick. At first, researchers thought it was vitamin E oil, which some manufacturers use as a diluting agent for the cannabis oil, but now they're not even sure it's that, and it may be the result of some alchemical reaction we haven't even thought to study before. Vaping technology has moved at a quicker pace than our ability to test for safety. As far as we know, no one has gotten sick from jewel pods, which are brand name nicotine cartridges you can get at the gas station. But moral panics are a great opportunity to conflate and confuse, so some states are sounding the stop vaping alarm. 
And Massachusetts has even placed a four-month ban on the sale of all vape products, including nicotine and legal cannabis. Even my beloved Senator Dick Durbin, who's been on a crusade against Juul for years now, is using this epidemic to push harder for a ban on flavored e-cigarettes, which he says gets kids hooked on nicotine young. And like, sure, fair enough, Dick. But you do know what happens when you tell teens not to do something, right? (laughs) If we had made Tide Pods illegal, kids would still be buying bootleg Tide Pods on the street and eating them live on some video-sharing network that adults like us haven't even heard of. (laughs) You can't stop people trying to destroy their bodies just by making it illegal. If it were illegal to stay up way too late playing video games, even when I know I have a lot of work to do the next day, I would still fucking do it, and I would somehow do it even harder. If they made Five Guys illegal, I would immediately buy a deep fryer on the dark web and start ordering 50-pound bags of potatoes to reverse engineer those delicious crime fries. (laughs) Jewel Pods, while not risk-free, are safer than cigarettes because they have nicotine without some of the shit that gives you cancer. Nicotine is not great for you, but getting nicotine from a cigarette will kill you, and that's guaranteed. 1,300 people die as a result of cigarette smoking every day. But that's a slow death, after the economy has gotten all your useful labor out of you. (laughs) When you're receiving Social Security benefits rather than paying into them. That's how it's supposed to go. A young person dying before we've squeezed every possible dollar out of their healthy, productive body is just unnatural. First of all, they'll never pay off their school lunch debt now. And... And they've been robbed of the opportunity to be a true patriot who dies in a school shooting. (laughs) It's easy to score political points by claiming to protect the children. We send them to crumbling, underfunded public schools where they learn math from a Halliburton brand app on a broken iPad while they're overworked... While their overworked teachers promote their own healthcare crowdfunding campaigns on a website infested with Nazis and the planet burns. But puffing on a mango-flavored nicotine pod to cope with the stress, that's where we draw the line. Won't someone think of their precious pink lungs? The FDA regulates cigarette production, which basically means R.J. Reynolds has to tell the government exactly which and how much lethal chemicals are in cigarettes. They have to put a sticker on the pack that says, hey, this thing you're already buying because you're addicted to it, it will kill you. But jewel pods, which again are so far not linked to any deaths, are facing an outright ban. So why don't they just regulate vapes? Government regulations literally save lives, and each one has been the result of someone saying, hey, you know all those deaths? What if we prevented them? (laughs) When four children died of E. coli in 1993, we didn't ban hamburgers or fast food. We just changed some of the rules. Now hamburgers have to be cooked 15 degrees hotter to kill more bacteria. You know when you buy meat at the store and there's a sticker that says, hey, dipshit, cook this and also wash your hands? That's because of those kids dying of E. coli. One of the main jobs of a government is to make it inconvenient for capitalists to make as much money as possible. (laughs) Government is one of the only brakes on the unchecked profit locomotive, and that's why it's at least nominally illegal to work your employees to death in unsafe conditions. (laughs) 
if it weren't illegal, companies would just purchase bulk children and force them to moderate Facebook comments or, or pilot delivery drones until they died of malnutrition just before the next truckload of fresh child meat arrives. <laughs> For proof, please consult all of human history. <laughs> Our current administration, though, they want to cut those breaks. Every year, 3,000 Americans die from foodborne illness, including ones you can get from contaminated meat. Last month, Trump approved a rule change regarding pork slaughterhouses. I had a draft of this piece that went much longer on slaughterhouses, <laughs> which might as well be called pleasant feelings factories for all the joy they inspire. <laughs> I cut a bunch of it because I didn't want you all to strain your smiling muscles. But basically, the government pays people to stand by a conveyor belt and watch parts of pig carcasses go by and be like, no, that one has shit on it. Don't sell it. <laughs> this new rule, this new rule says that now those inspectors can be employed by the pork company instead of the government. And there's no cap on how fast the hog corpse parade can go. <laughs> To envision how that will work, imagine standing by a speeding conveyor belt that dumps dollar bills into your boss's wallet, and he pays you to remove the ones that have the risk of killing someone he doesn't care about, <laughs> while he stands behind you and shouts around a cigar about how easily you can be replaced. <laughs> Sounds like a recipe for increased food safety to me. <laughs> This is definitely going to go great, and if you aren't already a vegetarian, may I gently suggest that the time has come. <laughs> Let's come back to cannabis vapes, though. Right now, if you want to do a vape weed, there are two ways to get it. First, you can know someone who knows someone who will send a guy to your house with some cartridges of unknown provenance and strain, and you pay him cash, and you make brief, uncomfortable small talk in your foyer while your cats rub against his shins. <laughs> or... You can go to a dispensary, which is like an Apple store that's also a pharmacy. You show your ID to an ex-cop who lets you into a room <laughs> who lets you into a room where some attractive people with tattoos ask how they can help you today. You can say things like, I need help falling asleep, or I want to have big galaxy brain thoughts on my couch. <laughs> and they recommend something that was made in a state-regulated facility, has been rigorously tested and inspected, and will get you so Super fucking high. <laughs> I've done both, and I can tell you which one I prefer. All I had to do was tell my doctor that I have PTSD from living in capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> and starting in January, you won't even need to do that. And yes, I could smoke weed like a stoner Luddite, but the fact is that I have asthma, and I don't like to. <laughs> Claps up for asthma and eczema, often comorbid. <laughs> now, I don't want to suggest that my right to house an entire sleeve of Chewy Chips Ahoy while watching TikTok compilations before drinking a liter of ice water and going to bed at 10.30 on a weekend is as important as my right to choose when and if to have a human child, but it's not not the same. <laughs> Abortion and weed are the same in this respect. When we make it illegal, we make it unsafe. It seems obvious to me that the way forward is to make both nicotine and cannabis vapes legal and inspect the shit out of them. There are 45 million people who vape in the United States. We're called cloudy Americans, thank you. <laughs> and, and 13 have died. 
Things that are more dangerous than that and which haven't been banned yet include guns, cars, the police, husbands, (laughs) men in general. (laughs) We live in a world where there are like eight dudes who want to hoard all the money and they know that destroying our planet is one step of that process and they don't care. If I get a horrible disease, I'll probably die of it after spending all of my money trying to treat it. And that's assuming I'm not hit by a self-driving car, shot to death, or killed in a freshwater riot. (laughs) There's exactly one thing that helps me forget that fact for 20 minutes at a time, and now they want to take it away just because they can't figure out what's in it. Fuck that. They'll never take our dreams. Speaking again as a comedy persona, if anyone wants to meet me directly outside this venue immediately after this show ends for an activity that probably won't kill you, but I can't promise won't kill you, I'll be out there and I love sharing. Thank you. What is up, Sarah McHenry? Shout out to the vegans. What's up? It is a good time to go vegan, everybody. Um, We're going to bring up Kevin to the stage one more time for part two of our fake news quiz. Come on up, Kevin. How has this gotten shorter? Can Can you use your other hand to help me make this go? I think that thing makes it go. Is that the good? That's the. Oh. No. (laughs) Yay, you did it. All right. (sighs) Your name, you're the. You did an anime sicko, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, where's the fuck did Tom go? I'm trying to plug his other, other, other podcasts. This motherfucker's not even here. What the fuck is that? Well, maybe he'll listen to the recording of this one, which is also a podcast. What is, there's also ShuffleQuest. What else does he have? Oh, Tom, Tom. No, that one's dead. Are there only three podcasts going right now that you're juggling? Because I mentioned she's an anime sicko as of very recent. Okay, now that we've gotten past that, everyone before voted to, like, just do it together, so I don't have any more drink tickets because I gave it to Tom's dad, so whatever. (laughs) I mean, you can still come on the stage, you just won't win anything. I don't care. (laughs) All right, so as a group, this is the first one. Frankie Muniz graciously offers to be Lizzo's purse. Ooh. I I just shouldn't use anything from Twitter is what I'm learning. Okay. That's, that's fair. Okay. Second one. Flight canceled because Muslim passenger complained that the pillows were not comfortable. Hmm? Yes, Frankie Muniz is horny. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Story three. Transplanting poop can be beneficial. Swapping vaginal fluids may be even better. Is that real? That's, that's from Frat Boy News. Yeah, just swap them vaginal fluids. And it's all good. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, so since Frankie Muniz is clearly horny for Lizzo and wants 
to have a chain around him so he can hold things and be a purse. Uh, what are the other... He's the guy from uh, Malcolm in the Middle, if you don't remember. Anyway. Oh, I can't hear you. I have a microphone. Right anyway. I'm, <laughs> you know, like the wedding singer, whatever. Anyway, which one's true, God damn it? Give me one. Or which one's false? The second one is false. All right, you're saying the second one the most. Like that, we're going to go with that, and that is correct. The, the flight was canceled because the airline staff were not comfortable with the Muslim passenger because he went to the bathroom and flushed the toilet twice. Which is un-American. You show, you show that log to the next American for freedom. All right, the last set of stories, and then I will be gone forever. Alabama high school removes bathroom stall doors to cut down on teen pregnancies. Story two, Kanye West's new album includes a song praising Chick-fil-A. Because why not? Story three, massive semen explosion after Blaze hits Bull Artificial and Cemetery Fact Facility. And then firefighters are forced to judge projectiles. So, you, Tom says that's true. Do you believe? Yeah. What the fuck? What is your news source that everyone's like, yeah, there's definitely a fire at the semen factory, but all right. Okay, so we can, okay. You guys are too woke with Twitter. Okay, so it's either the Alabama thing or Kanye. What's happening? Which one are we going for? What's up? Are we going to go with that? What's the second one? That's Kanye with the Chick-fil-A song, or a song devoted to Chick-fil-A. No, for the next album he's got. He is doing Sunday service, too. You, you know about that, right? I don't. Yeah, he's doing gospel in church, and he's selling, like, $700 socks and shit. I mean, the socks, I believe. Oh, yeah. Praise, praise Jesus. Can I get an answer? I just want an answer. One. One. That is correct. So much like Sarah McHenry over here, it's, they, are, they are actually removing the bathroom doors on these stalls to stop vaping. Is there also a waiter? <laughs> I don't know. If there's like somebody just like coming around like, oh, they're not pissing in there. Um, other fun facts is that a woman quit her job to search 54, uh, 57 days to find her lost dog, and she was successful. So that's good. And Ikea politely asked you to stop playing giant games of hide-and-seek in their stores. There you go. Erica. Come back for the debate. Give it up. Give it up again for Kevin. Yes. Well, every month at the Skewer, there comes a news story that's just too big for one person to cover. We require two people to cover it. But sometimes the second person falls ill the day of the show. And so one person covers it. In a debate that he will debate with himself. 
Only one man could be up to such a challenge. That man is Tom Harrison, co-producer and co-host of The Skewer. He is um, co-producer of this very show, The Skewer. He's the GM of the actual play comedy RPG podcast, Shuffle Quest, and co-host of the new podcast, my new favorite podcast, Anime Sickos. A podcast for geniuses, which explores the four pillars of modern misery, anime, gaming, posting, and jobs. He is a calm genius who is constantly in sicko mode. Anime sickos. Yeah, you Anime got it. sickos. Those are the two words. <laughs> Our debate topic. In September, brave Americans decided to gather en masse in Nevada and storm Area 51. They can't stop all of us thereby exposing the extraterrestrial secrets hidden therein and prove that memes do come true. Pause for laughter. <laughs> Clearly there is a growing public appetite to grab signs, grab pitchforks or, pitchforks or what have you, show the powers that be that the truth will no longer remain in the shadows. What is the next subject of popular mythos that we should blow wide open? Tom, what will you be debating? Well, my, my original side is find out what's the deal with all those weird clowns in South Carolina in 2016. And Tom, what will you be debating? I'm Doppel Tom. I will be debating can jet fuel melt steel beams? Who would like to read their opening statement first? Uh, Tom Prime would love to do that. <laughs> Alrighty. So, just before I begin, by noise, uh, to whom gathered here today does the phrase Joker's trick mean anything? <laughs> okay, that's more than I expected. Um, I cut most of them, and now I feel like a dumbass. So I'm going to just be saying it at random throughout. Uh, for those of you who do not clap, uh, Joker's trick uh, is like the Matrix. You cannot be told what Joker's trick is. You can only be shown. So you'll have to do that on your own time. <clears throat> so to begin, you may have forgotten about the scourge of evil clowns given just everything. <laughs> But there was a time, long ago, 1,000 years ago, in the forgotten eons of 2016, <laughs> when the American South was bedeviled by mysterious hordes of feral clown demons. <laughs> the infestation came and went without explanation. Now, you may be wondering, since I'm talking about it now, did they come back? Fucking no. <laughs> No, they didn't, uh, because the clowns in South Carolina were for sure just a bunch of bored, cruel teens <laughs> who are now grown up and too busy working for ICE to put on their clown costumes. <laughs> My favorite line in the books. Anyway, uh, 
But even if this particular infestation was nothing special, we simply cannot afford to, to not, yeah, we simply cannot afford not to study and comprehend this strange clown energy, this weird societal urge to clown. <laughs> just, beca just because it's not happening right now doesn't mean it won't happen again. And we don't want to be caught unprepared when it does. You know what they say. You know that old classic phrase, that saying we all know. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, Joker's trick. So I... Writing this piece, my wife was like, no one's going to fucking laugh at Joker's Trick. <laughs> and I'm like, I <laughs> but I love Joker's Trick. So I put it in. Anyway, thank you so much. <laughs> Folks, you may not even know it yet, but you do want to know this clown secret. I ask you, I ask you, when was the last time you saw a clown whose primary purpose was not to be scary? <laughs> When was the last time you heard do 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 and not do 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 When you see a news story about a clown sighting, do you even need them to specify that it was a scary nightmare clown? No, you don't. You do not. When was the last time you saw a clown, let's say, in a movie? I'll tell you, it was fucking it. <laughs> When's the next time you're going to see a clown in the movie? It's the Joker movie, baby! <laughs> a feature-length prestige film adaptation of the Yahoo Answers post, Aren't You Tired of Being Nice? Don't You Wanna Go Ape Shit? <laughs> Joker's trick! And I didn't even notice this until uh, Maggie mentioned wearing clothing on theme. I'm wearing clothing themed on the anime Hunter x Hunter, which features a major character who is a, just a chill clown who's like, what the thing I love to do is murdering. <laughs> and that's just his whole thing. He never develops. He's just like, I love to murder. He murders. That's how it goes. <laughs> And just to head you off of the pass, I will not be dunking on the insane clown posse in this piece. The Juggalos are anti-fascist homies and good people. Anyway, so, continuing. We have this artifact, the clown, that we all somehow understand to be a symbol of a good, normal childhood comedy fun uh, that is exclusively used in real life as shorthand to be like, damn, I can't believe that this innocent thing that's normal is actually really spooky. <laughs> it's boring. Ooh, I hate it. You hate to see it. And the, the reason it's so bad is that no one is laying the actual cultural groundwork of being a normal clown. They aren't around. They don't exist. Now, you may be thinking, Tom, you idiot, you moron. Bozo the Clown was on TV in living memory, and he wasn't scary. I counter with evidence from my own childhood. <laughs> Namely, yeah, he was. 
The credits of the Bozo the Clown show featured a series of still images, and there was one where he's looking directly at the camera going like this. His eyes and mouth perfectly round, and if you don't think he was sucking your soul up directly through the TV, you're a fucking rube! Wake up! Think for once in your goddamn lives! Anyway, gotta turn the page. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, how would it even work? How would it even work for a clown to just be a face value clown? How could anyone laugh at a clown? What does a clown even do? Let's review. Uh, wears frilly clothing, has a shit face, <laughs> drives a shit car. Sprays water around, kind of fucks around, uh, juggles. <laughs> Folks, I make my little jokes up here, I, and I don't claim to be some sort of comedy genius. <laughs> but I legitimately don't understand how any of that shit could ever be considered funny by anyone. My friends, this is a full-on conspiracy. This clown shit represents the wool being pulled over our eyes by the goddamn Illuminati. And I won't have it. I won't have it. We deserve the truth. And who's going to give you the truth? Oh, baby. Sweet one. You got to know it's me. Clowns are a government PSYOP, designed to trick us with a fake clown idea that never existed. There has never been a clown. And if you think there was, you're a fucking puppet. <laughs> Call me a Bernard brother because the secret lies in the 1%. The cabal of hateful fascist billionaires who controls the world. It is my steadfast belief that this caste of the hyper-wealthy have so insulated themselves from the rest of humanity that they have accidentally Habsburged themselves into weird mutants <laughs> that, look, that look not unlike what you and I may recognize as a clown. <laughs> have you seen Sumner Redstone lately? You know I'm right. Okay, well, I saw a picture of him lately, and it was <laughs> fucked. <laughs> anyway. They saw how their bodies had twisted into disgusting grotesqueries with strange, wild hair, deathly pale skin with inhuman, garish blotches of color throughout. <laughs> Bulbous noses that honk when grabbed. <laughs> and they decided to use their great influence to plant an image of the pleasant and fun clown in the popular consciousness so that they could appear in public without provoking the disgust and horror that they deserve. However, the inherent dumb attitude of the, of the billionaire class prevented them from doing a good job. They have, they have no idea what people find funny. They think juggling is funny. <laughs> Leaving us with this weird cultural artifact of the clown, which no one could possibly enjoy, and now exists only to be co-opted by edgy teens, trying to show how twisted they are. <laughs> Folks, it's a raw deal, 
and the only solution is to discover and publicize some goddamn proof. So you gotta vote for me. We gotta blow the lid off this clown shit. Otherwise, we're doomed to endure decades of media that show us a spooky clown and then ask us with a cocked eyebrow, like, pretty fucked up, huh? (laughs) Folks, ugh. There's only one word for that. Joker's trick. Goddamn. A compelling opening statement. But we've only heard half the story. Tom, tell us about jet fuel melting still beans. Duh, doffel Tom here. I'm not funny or smart. Buh, buh. Vote for normal, vote for prime Tom. Jet fuel melting steel beams? That sounds like a 9-11 thing to me. Sounds like some loose change to me. Sounds like some kind of conspiracy. (laughs) Trying to find out temperature that things melt at. Ooh, Erica, you're tricking me. Here's the thing, though. This all obfuscates the real truth, which is that 9-11 never happened. (laughs) That's it. Brutal. I think it's fair to say the gauntlet has been cast. Now I will be giving questions to our debaters. Questions that they have not seen in advance. The questions are very stupid. Tom Prime. We are almost guaranteed to find some crazy shit in South Carolina. Lizard men, horses in bathtubs. How do we ensure that we stay focused on the clowns? So, I mentioned my wife earlier in this piece. She has family from North Carolina. And previously to having known her, I thought that the Carolinas were the same. And pretty much that sort of the the cultural understanding of each state was like, they're fucking the same. Uh... (laughs) No, we actually hate South Carolina. It sucks. Boo! We all agree on that, right? Uh, If you all agree, then my wife is happy. Uh, Cool. I love that. Uh, So I guess my answer is uh, there's just no end to the shit that's going down in South Carolina. We can't stay focused. We just got to go all in and, like, fucking check all the boxes off the list. The clown is check number one, but we're not leaving until they're all done. Tom. Doppel Tom. This question comes from my husband, who has a PhD in engineering. <laughs> what counts as jet fuel, specifically what octane number Dr. Vlad Segete wants to know? I was like, I don't know, baby, a high one. He was like, no. <laughs> Make the debater tell you. Uh, duh, Doppeltom here. I would have looked it up, but I don't know how to read. <laughs> Tom Prime, what do we do with the clowns once we find them? So as I sort of uh, intimated in the piece, I believe that, uh, one, there's no real clowns. There, they haven't been any. And two, so any clowns that we do find are going to be edgy teens who are like, you know what's really going to fucking make people scared is if I dress up like a clown. 
So what we got to do, uh, currently what society has in place with them is, of course, to become ICE or cops, uh, some sort of job that allows them to terrorize people in the way that they find sexually satisfying. Um, <laughs> I feel like the answer, I mean, I was just sort of stalling for time before, but I feel like the real answer is the same answer to all the problems in America, which is to uh, install a socialist utopia that it, it provides free programs for all these wayward children so that they can uh, use their talents to good use instead of becoming weird clowns. <laughs> Doppeltom. Um, lighting a lot of jet fuel on fire sounds super dangerous and like it's going to create a lot of um, fire. What do we do with that? Uh, duh, it's not dangerous. I'll wear an oven mitt. <laughs> Tom Prime. Stephen King's It features one of modern culture's proto-archetypical evil clowns, Pennywise, the sewer buffoon. I read It when I was 10 years old and subsequently nightmared about it. Was I too young? Or did It prepare me appropriately for the world we live in today? I would say there's no age where it is appropriate to view a clown. <laughs> they're just, ooh, their car steams me. Get a bigger one. <laughs> what was the actual question? <laughs> good. Asked and answered. We're good. We're good. We're good. Um, topple Tom. Another, actually kind of a hard one. Jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams just like boiling water doesn't melt dry noodles instead it makes them hot and wobbly and unable to bear weight is that going to count or short of creating steel beam fondue will we be left to conclude that 9-11 was an inside job that didn't exist well when we're using the word melted here I think we're using it in a colloquial sense where we are saying you know it's not it's not the the, the complete switch from a solid matter to a liquid uh, state. I think we're using it sort of in, in the way that the normal you know, man on the street is going to use it, which is to say to become sort of fluid and malleable uh, enough to cause structural failure. So in that case, yes, uh, I would believe, duh, 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 oh, my brain injury's coming back. I forgot what a, t what a number is. That was, good. that was good. I was waiting for the flowers for Algernon turn in that one, and it came. It, Tom delivered. Last one. Soft pitch. Knock it out of the park, kiddos. Which is worse, an alien clown or a clown jet pilot? <laughs> Not that soft. Sorry, okay, guys. no, no, no. I'm, Tom Prime and Daffle Tom are going to give the same answer in one voice. Uh, so a clown pilot, definitely you're going to get real spooked because that's, that's the main goal here. They want to spook you because they're like, okay, what makes something scary? Juxtaposing the familiar with the spooky. Yeah? Pilots, they're very familiar. We know them. They're nice white boys. Uh, <laughs> clowns, as I've said. So we got double familiar on one side, and then when the spook comes, which is like, hey guys, gonna crash the plane. You're gonna be so fucking spooked. But as with all people who are trying to spook you, the, the, the reward is the reaction. So killing everyone on the plane, you're not going to see how spooked they were. 
it'll be a waste of time. So unpleasant for sure, but you'll walk away. Clown aliens, I can't make that promise. Fantabulous. Well, we've, we've put them through the ringer. We've, now it's time to hear our closing statements. Tom Prime, I believe you went first, so Doppel Tom, you go first for closing. Uh, yeah, duh, uh, duh. yeah. 9-11 never happened. It was viral marketing for all, all the documentaries about it. Uh, that's it. Tom Prime here. That jet fuel shit, you can do that in a day in a lab and all you're left with is some science numbers. Boo. Boring. Yuck. I didn't major in English just to learn some science numbers. I majored in English too. That is the wrong page. Uh, That page is missing. So I'll just read the last paragraph. There's a whole page. It's really uh, personal, but... (laughs) Clown energy is an evil spell that has been cast on all of us. This mental construction of a clown will take up space in our heads and our culture forever for no goddamn reason. Now, I'm not saying that my, you know, my billionaire mutant theory is correct. But this goes beyond a simple yes or no answer like you'd get with, like, will it melt or not? And also, another thing about will it melt or not, who cares? Like, <laughs> whoever did do 9-11 is going to get away with it no matter what. Saudi Arabia or Bush, they're both fine. <laughs> but this? This clown shit will change our lives. We all are forced to make space for clown, and I don't want it. Unraveling the clown mystery will break the cursed hold that clowning has on our psyches. Folks, I want to be free. Don't you? Tom Prime, you, you literally murdered me um, with that revelation about Saudi Arabia and Bush. I was like, oh, f- oh, fuck. <laughs> fuck. Well, both of our debaters combated hard. Worthy warriors. And yet there can be only one true winner. And that winner is decided by you, the people. Like in democracy, except this democracy works. So you are going to... We have our wonderful applause judge. Yeah, come on up. Come up. Yes, applause for the applause judge. If you believe that Tom Prime was the winner of the debate, clap like mad. And if you believe that Doppel Tom was the winner of the debate, please clap and cheer like mad. And you fucking people, I haven't won in like over a year. And the piece I put a lot of work in. 
judge, we have not officially adjudicated this. Judge, who is the winner of the debate? I really did not expect this. Uh, it's it's it, it's still Tom Prime, right? I mean, no, no. It's Actually, Tom it's Prime. not. Whoa, hold, whoa, hold on. I thought this is a democracy here. Okay. It's Doppel Tom. Doppel Tom. Thank you. And now, the best part of any skewer. Normally, I would award a skewer, and I, I'm going to claim new mom problems. I forgot the actual skewer. Perfect. Tom, Tom's going to get one of his skewers. Got a couple quick announcements. Number one, you, you guys really should check out the podcast Anime Sickos. If you had a laugh riot tonight, you're going to have it more when you listen to that podcast Anime Sickos. What's that name? Anime Beautiful. Next up... Our next show is going to be Wednesday, November 6th. It's our fourth year anniversary show. We have seen shows be born and die in that time, but we're still here. Hey, Erica, if a show has been around for four years, is it fair to call it a Chicago institution, capital C, capital I? I think that's more than fair. I think that's fairer than fair. Hey, yo, I, well, there you heard it here first. <laughs> Chicago institution, the skewer. But this is the important part. Tom and I are going to engage in a once-in-a-lifetime event. You are never going to see it again. We are going to debate each other. It's scary. I am scared. Tom should be scared, too. No, it's fun. I'm used used to losing. And (laughs) we are going to debate who would win in a skewer debate between Tom and Erica. I will be arguing that Tom would win. And I will be arguing the true <laughs> side. Anyway, that's all for tonight. Catch up with us on the Skewer Podcast. We'll see you Wednesday, November 6th. You guys are beautiful. I love you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Skewer Podcast. If you liked what you heard, you can always come to a live show the first Wednesday of every month or subscribe to this podcast and, like, give it a review or something. I don't know. Podcast stuff. It's it's all good. If you want more information or to be on the show, please feel free to email us at skewerchicago at gmail.com. Uh, until next time, thank you for listening and see ya.